Chapter Eight: The Potions Master. These look where next to the tall kid with the red hair, wearing the glasses. Did you see his face? Did you see his scar? Whispers followed Harry from the moment he left the dormitory the next day. People lining up outside classrooms stood on tiptoe to get a look at him, or doubled back to pass him. In the corridors again, staring. Harry wished they wouldn't because he was trying to concentrate on finding his way to classes. There were hundreds and forty-two staircases at Hogwarts, wide, sweeping ones, narrow, rickety ones. Some that led somewhere different on a Friday, some with vanishing step hallway up that you had to remember to jump. Then there were doors that wouldn't open unless you asked politely or tickle them in exactly the right place. And the doors weren't really doors at all, but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to remember where anything was, because it all seemed to move around a lot. The people in the portraits kept going to visit each other, and Harry was sure the coats of armor could walk. The ghosts didn't help either. It was all. It was always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open, nearly headless. Like. Was always happy to point new Gryffindors into the right direction, but Peeves the Poltergeist was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you meet him when you are late for class. He would drop waste paper baskets on your head, pull rugs from under your feet, belt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up behind you, invisible, grab your nose and screech, "Got your cock!" Even worse than Peeves, if if that was possible, was the caretaker Argus Filch. Harry and Ron managed to get out on the wrong side of him on their very first morning. Filch found them trying to force their way through a door that unluckily turned out to be the entrance to the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe they were lost, was sure they were trying to break into it on purpose, and was threatening to lock them in the dungeons. When they were rescued by Professor Quirrell, who was passing, Filch owned a cat called Mrs. Norris, a scrawny, dust-colored creature with bulging, lamp-like eyes like Filch. She patrolled the corridors alone. Break a rule in front of her, put just one toe out of line, she'd whisk of four flinch, who'd appear wheezing. Two seconds later, Filch knew the secret secret passageway of the school better than anyone. And could pop up suddenly as any of the ghosts. The students all hated him, and it was their dearest ambition of many to give Mrs. Norrie a, a good kick. And then, once you managed to find them, there were the classes themselves. There were a lot more to magic, as Harry quickly found out. Then waving your wand and saying a few funny words, they've had to study the night skies through their telescope every Wednesday at midnight. And learn the names of different stars and the movements of the planet. Three times a week, they went out to the greenhouse behind the castle to study herbology, with a dumpy little witch called Professor Sprout, where they learned how to take care of all the strange plants and fungi, and found out what they were used for. Easily, the most boring class was history of magic, which was the only one taught by a ghost, Professor Bins. Had been very old indeed that had fallen asleep in the front of the staff room. Fire and got up the next morning to teach, leaving his body behind him. 
Bins droned on and while they scribbled down names and dates and got Emmerich the Evil and Yurik the Oddball mixed up. Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand up on a pile of books to see over his desk. At the start of the first year class, he took roll call, and when he reached Harry's name, he gave an excited squeak and toppled out of sight. Professor McGonagall was again different. Harry had been quite right to think she wasn't a teacher to cross. Strict and clever, she gave them a talking to the moment they sat down in her first class. Transfiguration is some of the most complex and dangerous magic you will learn at Hogwarts, she said. Anyone messing around in my class will leave and not come back. You have been warned. Then she changed her desk into a pig and back again. They were all very impressed. They were all very impressed. After taking a lot of complicated notes, they were each given a match and started trying to turn it into a needle. By the end of the lesson, only Hermione Granger had made any difference to her match. Professor McGonagall showed the class how it had gone all silver and pointy and gave Hermione a rare smile. The class everyone had really been looking forward to was Defense Against Dark Arts. But Krill's lesson turned out to be a bit of a joke. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic, which everyone said was the ward of a vampire he'd met in Romania and was afraid would be coming back to get him one of these days. His turban, he told them, had been given off <clears throat> by an African prince as a thank you for getting rid of a troublesome zombie, but they weren't sure they believed the story. For one thing, when Seamus Finnegan asked eagerly to hear how Krell had fought off a zombie, Krell went all pink and started talking about the weather. For another day, he said, they had noticed that a funny smell hung around the turban, and the Weasley twins insisted that it was stuffed full of garlic as well, so that Quirrell was protected wherever he went. Harry was very relieved to find out that he wasn't miles behind everyone else. Lots of people had come from muggle families and, like him, hadn't had any idea that they were witches or wizards. There was so much to learn that even people like Ron didn't have much of a head start. Friday was an important day for Harry and Ron. They finally managed to find their way down to the Great Hall for breakfast without getting lost once. What have we got today? Harry asked Ron as he poured sugar on his porridge. Double potions with Slytherin, said Ron. Snape's head of Slytherin house. They say he always favors them. We'll be able to see if it's true. Wish McGonagall favored us, said Harry. Professor McGonagall was head of Gryffindor House, but it hadn't stopped her from giving them a huge pile of homework the day before. Just then, the mail arrived. Harry had gotten used to this by now, but it had given him a bit of a shock on the first morning, when about a hundred owls had suddenly streamed into the Great Hall during breakfast. Circling the tables until they saw their owners, and dropping letters and packages onto their laps, Hedwig hadn't brought Harry anything so far. She sometimes flew into the, in to nibble his ear or to have a bit of a toast going off to sleep in the owlery with the other school owls. This morning, however, she fluttered down between the marmalade and the sugar bowl and dropped a note on Harry's plate. 
Harry tore it open, and at once it said, Dear Harry, I know you get Friday afternoons off, so would you like to come and have a cup of tea with me around three? I want to hear all about your first week. Send us an answer back with Hedwig. Harry borrowed Ron's quill, scribbled, Yes, please, see you later on the back of the note, and sent Hedwig off again. It was lucky that Harry had tea with Hagrid to look forward to, because the potions lesson turned out to be the worst thing that had happened to him so far. At the start of the term banquet, Harry had gotten the idea that Professor Snape disliked him. By the end of the first potion lesson, he knew he'd been wrong. Snape didn't dislike Harry. He hated him. Potion's lesson took place down in one of the dungeons. It was colder here than up in the main castle and would have been quite creepy enough without a pickled animals floating in glass jars all around the walls. Snape, like Flitwick, started the class by taking roll call and like Flitwick, he paused at Harry's name. Ah, yes, he said softly. Harry Potter. Our new celebrity. Draco Malfoy and his friends, Crabbe and Goyle, sniggered behind their hands. Snape finished calling the names and looked up as the class. His eyes were black like Hagrid's, but they had none of Hagrid's warmth. They were cold and empty and made you think of dark tunnels. You are here to learn the subtle science and exact art of potion making, he began. He spoke in barely more than whispers. But they caught every word, like Professor McGonagall. Snape had the gift of keeping a class silent without any effort. As little foolish wand waving here, many believe. I can teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, even stop her death, if you aren't as big of the bunch of dunderheads as I usually have to teach. More silence followed this little speech. Harry and Ron exchanged looks with raised eyebrows. Hermione Granger was on the edge of her seat and looked desperate to start proving that she wasn't a dunderhead. Potter, said Snape suddenly, and looked desperate to start. What would I get if I added powdered root of absodel to an infusion of wormwood? Powdered root of what to an infusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked as stumped as he was. Ron's ha Hermione's hand shot into the air. I don't know, sir, said Harry. Snape's lips curled into a sneer. Tut, tut. Fame clearly isn't everything, he ignored Hermione's hand. Let's try again. Potter, where would you look if I told you to find me a bazaar? Hermione stretched her hand as high into the air as it would go without leaving her seat, but Harry didn't have the faintest idea of what a bizarre was. He tried not to look at Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, who were shaking with laughter. I don't know, sir. Thought you wouldn't open a book before coming, eh, Potter? Harry forced himself to keep looking straight into this cold ice. He had looked through his books at the Dursleys, but did Snape expect him to remember... Everything in 1,000 magical herbs and fungi? Snape was still ignoring Hermione's quivering hand. What's the difference, Potter, between monkshood and wolfbane? 
At this, Hermione stood up, her hands stretching toward the dungeon ceiling. I don't know, said Harry quietly. I think Hermione does, though. Why don't you try her? A few people laughed. Harry caught Seamus' eye and Seamus winked. Snape, however, was not pleased. Sit down, he snapped at Hermione. For your information, Potter, Absodel and Wormwood make sleeping potions so powerful it is known as drought of the living death. A bezoar is a stone taken from the stomach of a goat and it will save you from the most poisons. As for monkwood and wolfsbane, they are the same plant, which also goes by the name of asonite. Well, why aren't you all copying that down? There was a sudden rummaging for quills and parchment. Over the noise, Snape said, and the point will be taken from Gryffindor. Things didn't improve for the Gryffindors as the potions lesson continued. Snape put them all in pairs and led them to mixing up a simple potion to cure boils. He swept around his long black cloak, watching them weigh dried nettles and crush snake fangs, criticizing almost everyone except Malfoy, whom he seemed to like. He was just telling everyone to look at the perfect way Malfoy had stewed his horn slugs when the clouds of acid green smoke and loud hissing filled the dungeon. Neville had somehow managed to melt Seamus's cauldron into a twisted blob, and their potion was seeping across the stone floor, burning holes in people's shoe. Within seconds, the whole class was standing on stools while Neville, who had been drenched in the potion when the cauldron collapsed, moaned in pain as angry red balls sprung up all over his arms and legs. Idiot boy, snarled Snape, clearing the spilled potion away with one wave of his hand. I suppose you added porcupine quills before taking the cauldron off the fire? Never, Neville whimpered as boils started to pop up all over his nose. Take him to the hospital wing, Snape sat at Seamus. Then he rounded on Harry and Ron, who had been working next to Neville. You, Potter, why didn't you tell him not to add the quills? Thought he'd make you look good if he got it wrong, did you? There's another point you've lost for Gryffindor. This was so unfair that Harry opened his mouth to argue, but Ron kicked him behind the cauldron. Don't push it, he muttered. I've heard Snape can turn very nasty. As they climbed the steps out of the dungeon an hour later, Harry's mind was racing and his spirits were low. He'd lost two points for Gryffindor in his very first week. Why did Snape hate him so much? Cheer up, said Ron. Snape's always taking points of Fred and George.